The Teach to Preach Podcast, Episode 6. Helping preachers to get better by this weekend, it's the Teach to Preach Podcast with your host, Pete Kramer. Friends, how many of you have ever been asked, how do you write a sermon? And all you could do was stare back at that other person and say, uh... Sermon development really is hard to define, and for many pastors, it's hard to develop a rhythm for writing and developing quality sermons. So my guest today is Pastor Ryan Hughley, and he's going to help us with a process to write faithful sermons faster. He's a church planter, pastor, and preacher, and he's currently launching Ridgeline Church in Salt Lake City, Utah. And I'm honored because he took the time today to invest into our audience while his family is packing a moving truck. I have Ryan on the show today to discuss also his new book, Eight Hours or Less, Writing Faithful Sermons Faster. It's a great book, and we will link to it in today's show notes page. But for now, listen in for some great practical wisdom on sermon development with Pastor Ryan Hughley. Well, Pastor Ryan, thank you so much for joining us today on the Teach to Preach podcast. And a friend of mine recommended your book to me, and I'm going to recommend it to the audience listening in as well. It's called Eight Hours or Less, Writing Faithful Sermons Faster. And I got to say, there's a lot of books that I take my time walking through because I just, some books are just easier to read or harder to read for me than others. But I flew right through your book because it's so practical. Oh, good. It's written so well for uh, especially a lot of pastors who are just looking to redeem time in their week, but yet write a faithful sermon. And so I know that the title itself is going to give some people a pause for just a moment when we're talking Absolutely. about sermon prep and writing faster. And I think a lot of people feel like writing faster means compromising content, but that's not what you're going for here. So help us understand um, why you wrote the book and um, kind of your heart behind uh, helping pastors. Absolutely, Pete. Thanks so much for having me on. Uh, Yeah, first of all, that is by far the question that I've been asked the most and have been accused of trying to shortchange the the process and, and somehow uh, pull quality away uh, from preparation. And that is absolutely not it at all. So first thing I would say is it's not ultimately about the eight hour mark. Um, that was a general number that I found myself after a few months of working this process where I started to end up at about eight hours at the desk. So the first thing I tell people is like, get out of your head about the time thing. Um, it also made for like a good title. And I did want people to be discussing like this. I wanted people to, to talk about this. So that's the first thing. It's not really about the time. Uh, Secondly, my only hope is to help people be as um, efficient stewards of their time as possible. As pastors, we all have so many hats that we have to wear, so many different responsibilities. And then the vast majority of us are going to be husbands and dads. And so we have all kinds of family things as well. And so I wanted to help guys be more uh, efficient stewards of their time with the process uh, so that they could be able to um, not just have the best sermons, but also re- really be able to focus their time uh, elsewhere as well. Yeah, that's very good. And I think that's the one thing a lot of pastors uh, want, specifically in this day and age, because there are so many apps for productivity and how to get the most yeah. out of your time. Yeah. And I feel like after walking through this book, it's going to give a good handle on uh, getting a hold of your week so that way you can get a hold of a really great sermon. And in your book, yeah. you break down 
really. And I don't want to give away too much of the book because I really do want everybody to go out and buy your book and walk through some of this process that you walk through. But you walk through the days of the week as you prepare your sermon and what each day might look like. And I'm not going to give it all away here, but there are a couple sure. of things I want to pull out. And um, yeah. you talk about um, how each day there's a milestone and uh, yeah. that Monday milestone. What is it about Mondays that pastors seem to dread? And what is it about Mondays that you're hoping becomes a milestone for a great sermon next Sunday? Well, Mondays suck for everyone. I don't think it's just pastors. I don't think there's not too many people I know that really love Monday. You're coming out of the weekend, but especially for pastors, you know, most of us have preached on Sunday. Some of us have preached multiple services. And so you're wiped out and you're discouraged emotionally. You tend to be very depleted from the output of preaching. Physically, you're very worn out relationally. You've probably had you know, I mean, there's just a lot of spiritual warfare involved in ministry and preaching. So there's probably some amount of a relational conflict that you had on Sunday or some email that you got between Sunday and Monday that was about, you know, the one thing that wasn't good about your sermon. And so it just tends to be a very depleted state on Monday. And so one of the things that, that again, like this, this is flip flop for me around a little bit, but I'm headed back into a season of this is rather than, than take Monday and have that be my day off where I'm giving my family like my most depleted version of myself, mm. um, I tend to jump right back into the text because mm. I've found that in addition to trying to get a decent workout in, trying to reserve most of Monday to be alone rather than taking a bunch of meetings, I kind of take Monday to refill the tank. And one of the things that's really important for that for me is to jump right back into the text that I'm uh, going to be studying. And so that's the reason. So, I mean, that's why Mondays are hard, but that's also the reason that I really argue, like, just jump right back into it and let God's word be one of the things that refreshes your heart. Yeah. You know, as we record this, it's actually a rainy Monday for me. And uh, yeah, it's just something psychological, cultural about that, that rainy Monday and just the Mondays and especially for pastors. Right. And, and you talk about this quite a bit in the book about, uh, you know, a lot of pastors, they struggle with that Monday and a lot of pastors will resign on a Monday. And yeah, around this, you're, you're creating a new milestone. And I want to talk for just a moment here, that the milestone on Monday is to write a clear and concise sermon frame in two yep. hours. So let's just chat about that. What does that look like for you to write a clear and concise sermon frame in two hours? Yeah, well, the first thing I'd say is, I mean, some people, as soon as they hear that, they're going to be like, there's no way in the world they can do this in two hours. So again, get the hour mark out of your head for just a second. Um, but the first thing that for me like the, what the milestone, the frame is that frame is what I call my outline. So just like when you there, I'm, I'm doing an interview in a friend's house right down the street, they're building a brand new home right now. And right now they have it framed out. So all the wooden framing is up and then that's what they're going to put um, sheetrock on and they're going to put walls in. And so the frame for me is the outline that the sermon hangs on. So it's my main points, my big idea. That's what I'm trying to get to, to get to that point. Um, has a couple of steps for me. The first one is prayer that I would spend a signet. I, I walk through some very specific things that you can pray through on Monday. Prayer, I really think, is, an, is a tool that saturates the entire book and process. We That's talk true. about that a lot. But um, on Monday in particular, just sort of rewarming your heart up through prayer. Um, then I'm getting into the exegetical work of the text. So um, open Bible, blank page is how every Monday starts making my own observations, um, doing my own exegetical work, using my own tools to, um, you know, study the original language, do all of that before I go to commentary. 
Um, commentary for me, I try to, to keep that to about two to three commentaries maximum. I think commentary reading is a place that a lot of pastors lose the most time. Um, and, and I don't, some of it I think is a fear of not wanting to get the text wrong and that's noble and good. Some of it is like a lot of us are just nerds and like to read commentary. And so, you know, I've, I've met pastors that read literally between 10 to 20 commentaries per sermon. And I've read a lot of commentary in my life. And I got to tell you, like, unless you're reading way outside the camp, most of them tend to say very similar things. Yeah. And so you, I really don't believe that there's enough return on investment of time to read 10 to 20 um, commentaries. So I pray, I do my exegetical work, I'm doing all my own observational stuff. I read my commentary. And at that point, I'm trying to really get into um, knowing what my main points are going to be, knowing what the big idea of the text and what the sermon will be. And that's what I'm trying to get to on Monday. That's fantastic. You know, you said a bold statement in the book and you just reiterated it just a moment ago is if your sermon prep begins with something other than an open Bible and a blank piece of paper, you're doing it wrong. Yeah, I believe that. I mean, I think that a lot of, you know, unfortunately, I think more and more pastors and I I think I can semi understand how this happens, but more and more pastors are getting online and looking for a sermon idea or looking for a movie clip and they're going to build their sermon out of some idea. And I just think that's a fail. We're mm -hmm. called to preach the word. Mm -hmm. um, we're not called to preach. And I'm not anti-movie clips and I'm not anti-idea. I'm not anti any of those things, but our calling as pastors is to preach the word. So if those other things serve the preaching of the word, then praise God. But if we're as preachers of the word, we have to start with the word. And so I start with uh, rather than importing all of my ideas into a text, I want to start with a text itself and I want to draw my points out of that and then find some of these other, um, you know, things like illustrations and what the implication is for the individual life. But I want all of that to flow from the text rather than the other way around. Yeah, that's very good. And especially for a lot of pastors maybe who are listening in right now and they're in their first assignment of ministry or they're yep. they're now put into a place of ministry where they're preaching more consistently maybe every week and yep. and they're trying to get a hold of how am I going to set aside time for this and make this happen I like the idea of just starting with an open bible and a blank piece of paper because the sermon mm -hmm. uh, I've tried to define this for people who are not in the ministry and I think uh, pastor Ryan you'll understand that that when yep. you are going to sermon prep it's almost like Thanksgiving dinner, there is all uh -huh. of this stuff in front of you. And you, you're kind of like, where in the world do I start? Where do I take the first bite out of this thing? And yeah. For a lot of people, it's, you know, do I just get a good idea while I'm taking a shower? Do I, you know, yeah. see something in a movie and it sparks an idea? And I'm not saying that the Holy Spirit can't use that to ignite some sure. kind of teaching series or whatever the case may be. But in a lot of ways, I think there's just some power to the open word of God and a blank piece of paper and the Holy Spirit mm -hmm. walking us through the text. And, you know, because obviously it's Jesus's church. He cares about it, cares about us and wants to deliver a great word through us. And that's an, an mm -hmm. incredibly humbling uh, place to be. But an open Bible and a blank piece of paper is a great place to yeah. start. I just think, uh, unfortunately, we uh, it'd be great to if we didn't live in a day where you had to really explain this. But I think faithful Bible, Bible preaching means that the sermon has to flow from the scriptures. And we live in a day where that's not always the case. You know, I mean, I, I've heard the stories and have had friends that literally preach more newspaper than they do Bible. And that's a fail. That's not our task. And so one of the reasons that I argue for um, dividing up the sermon prep week uh, at work across the week 
and having these daily milestones and determined deadlines and having a little bit, but to start so early in the week is so that I really have an understanding of what the spirit is saying through the text so that those times where I am in the shower or I am on a run or I am on a drive, I'm, I'm, I'm using all of everything I'm experiencing all week that the text is the lens through which I'm filtering it all. And that, that gives me, and that's the biggest thing I think that cuts down on the time is when I say, you know, in the title, eight hours or less, I'm a, I'm a firm believer that if, a, if you're a preacher, you're always prepping your sermon, mm-hmm. like always. That's true. So when people ask me on Sunday morning, like, hey, how's your, how's your sermon going? My, my answer is always like, well, I'll let you know when I'm done preaching it. <laughs> because until I'm done, I'm constantly still thinking about it and praying about it and meditating on it. And so the further out we can get um, to be able to think about those things concepts and truths and principles earlier on, the more that we can capitalize on those other times in the week uh, in a more faithful and effective way. Yeah, that's fantastic. Let's shift gears here a little bit and go to another day. Uh, we'll, yeah. talk, we'll talk Tuesday and then we'll left, we'll leave the rest of the content uh, up as the, the carrot to dangle in front of pastors so they can go and okay. grab the book because it's absolutely worth it. But um, if you've never read the book Creativity Inc. by Ed Catmull, the, the CEO it's of It's a great Pixar. book. Yeah, fantastic. And he does something uh, at Pixar that I think you do also to a certain scale. And that is uh, this idea of a think tank where at Pixar, they'll gather people around an idea early in the process. And then all through the process of idea to film on the screen, this think tank of trusted people is gathered around that film and they're offering critique, they're offering insight and ideas all through the process. So it's not just one person's idea that gets plastered up on a screen. It's got all this creative input. And you do something similar to that. So can you walk us through uh, that's your Tuesday uh, yep. with your with your team. What does that team yep. look like? What do you what do you do with that team? So, um, and this is, you know, I, I think that I'm I'm in the middle of a ministry transition right now. I'm transitioning from being the senior pastor of a larger existing church in North Carolina, planting a new church uh, from scratch with a small team in Salt Lake City called Ridgeline Church. Mm-hmm. Um, and so, you know, there's been a time where I've had a staff, you know, a, a larger staff that could all come together. And now I'm going to be back in like, like, like Navy SEAL grunt church planting work. And so there's just going to be a few of us. And, and so I say that so that you understand that the size of your staff, the size of your quote unquote team doesn't matter. What, it, what, what it's about on Tuesday for me is getting a handful of other people into a room for me to talk through all of the work that I've done on Monday. Mm-hmm. So I would say in general, uh, I'm not a big fan of like from scratch brainstorming for me personally. I've never, I've never found that super helpful to like sit down. I haven't even read the Bible yet. And I'm just going to like, all right, let's come up with a sermon. What's helpful for me is to come in with about 90% of my frame solidified. And then I just kind of talk through the flow of the text, what various words mean, some illustration ideas, what the implications might be on the life and then ask other people to speak into that. I have, I find a lot of pastors pretty reticent to want to allow other people into the process. And I think there's a handful of reasons for that, but I think that one can be that I have seen is this sort of, we all want to be Moses coming down off the mountain That's with exactly this, like, what I was thinking of, yeah. yeah, this great word from God. And we sort of have this pride thing in us that wants the credit for like, look what I did or look how effective I am. And I just think like, if God opposes the proud, that's not like, none of that is going to be a win for you. And so I think it's an act of humility 
and wisdom to invite other people into the process. And the added benefit of it is that it tends to, especially with things like, like I've got this, my one friend, Scott, who's been uh, my worship pastor for 15 years now. And he's amazing at coming up with illustrations. And so I get like, I can sit and bang my head against the desk trying to come up with like, how do I make this clearer? Or, you know, I'll just call Scott and I'll be like, Hey man, I got this. Like, this is the, 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 the sentiment that I'm trying to convey is this, what does this make you think of? And then in like 30 seconds, he helps me come up with this, like a really great idea or a story or something that will work. And so all of that saves me the hour of like, you know, Googling around the universe, trying to figure out what would be a good way to illustrate. So I just think there's a ton of value in inviting other people into the process for your own sanctification, but also for the strength of the sermon. So let's talk about that for just a moment. Uh, You have this uh, worship pastor on your team who's probably more naturally creative, I guess you could say, and can Uh can see through and find illustrations that are going to, that are really going to touch the heart of the people in, in the congregation, that sort of thing. So what should pastors be looking for in this group of people? Are they looking for creatives? Are they looking for the single mom and their perspective? Are they looking for, pers- are you looking for perspective in this team? Is uh, who Yeah, I think that's a good way to say it. Around? I think, I think self-awareness helps you um, because I think you need to know yourself. You need to know what your strengths are. And then I would really encourage people to build a team um, that fills in their gaps. Mm. So I'm a man. So I think like a man, I don't think like a woman. And so I, I, I've seen tremendous value in being able to have a woman in the work in the room. How does this hit you? How does this language work with you? Does this sound harsh? Does like, um, so just to hear it filtered through the mind of a woman, I found that super helpful. Um, if you are a, you know, seminary trained, theologically astute, um, nerd, then you probably want to get some people that are like fun (laughs) around you and read something other than, you know, commentary. Um, and then I always find it's super helpful just to have like a normal person in the room. That's not a pastor. That's not, but just like, I want to know ultimately what I'm trying to do. How do I as clearly as possible convey the message of this text? Mm. And so I think the wider swath of representation that you can have, and and there's a, you know, you need to just figure it out for yourself. Like for me, I I really prefer to have three to four or five people max. I wouldn't recommend starting with 12, Um, just one or two people maybe to start and then figure out trial and error what really works for you. Yeah, that's really good. Let's talk for just a moment about introductions and conclusions, because there's a certain day of the week that you reserve for that as well. But there's one thing that, yep. that uh, you say in there, a couple of places that uh, I think a lot of people listening in are going to struggle with. When it comes to introductions and conclusions, please yep. don't wing it. Yeah. I, I think that might be the natural tendency of a lot of preachers is that the body, the content of what we want to deliver is solid. It's God's word. We've done our study. And then kind of like that 747, how do we get this thing off the ground uh, mm-hmm. safely? And how do we land it without dying? You know, so yeah, totally, so man. Let's talk introductions and conclusions. Um, and uh, I think conclusions are probably where a lot of us would struggle. I know for myself, conclusions have always been my struggle in preaching. So yeah, for yeah. So if everybody else wants to listen in on my pain, uh, yeah, man. Ryan, could you speak to introductions and conclusions for just a minute? Yeah, I, this really, the passion for me around these two things started when the, this, the first pastor that really worked with me to, to help me learn how to c- 
construct a sermon. He told me one time, he goes, you know, if, if you open strong and you close strong and you transition smoothly, the rest of your sermon is going to take care of itself. Hmm. And I really believe that. So obviously that presupposes you've done the preparatory work on the body of your sermon and everything. But a lot of sermons tend to fall apart in the introduction, in transition from point to point or in the conclusion, which means we have to work super, super hard. And unfortunately, those are the least thought through portions of a sermon. And so I think a good introduction is meant to grab attention, you know, for someone that thinks I can just kind of stand up and in a sloppy way, just work my way into the body. I think the problem with that is that on average, people are going to give you about like, you need to tell them within the first five minutes why they should even listen to you. I just think we underestimate the number of messages that people are bombarded with throughout the week. And in addition to that, now we have this great gift of podcasting. And so people are listening to world-class preaching all the time. Very true. And there's pros and cons to that. But one con for the average preacher like me is that guys are listening to Matt Chandler and Andy Stanley and guys that are just like, that there's only like five to 10 of in the world. <laughs> and then somehow I'm supposed to step into that gap on Sunday morning. And so I just think you really have to work hard to grab attention on the introduction. And then the conclusion is like, it's the last thing people are going to remember. And I think the the mistake that I've seen most frequently is just the inability to land the plane. So like, it's just constantly circling the runway. Like we've all heard the pastor that has said like in conclusion, and then he goes on yammering for like another 15 minutes. And that's the worst. Nobody and then listening just, in has ever done that. Ever nobody's before. ever so, done so that. So for that one pastor that's not you, that you know does that. Exactly. You, you this is for a friend. Podcast. <laughs> that's right. So <clears throat> I, I think just being very, very thoughtful, there's a bunch of different ways to conclude a sermon. I mean, I think the safest way, like I, I think the the biggest mistake that we can make in preaching, other than just completely missing the message of the text would be to not make Jesus the hero. Mm. Um, and so I think the safest, like if you're just looking for like, how can I just faithfully close? Well, then end with the gospel, like mm. end in a Christ-centered manner. Show how like Jesus is the hero. Jesus is the only, like Jesus is our hope when we fail. End with, like, I don't think anyone's going to criticize you if you end with Jesus. But be thoughtful about it. Write it out. Think about it ahead of time. Don't just assume. And man, I was a horrible, I'm still don't feel, I feel like concluding is probably one of my weakest points Mm -hmm. as a preacher. Um, And a lot of that was the result of, I would leave the writing of my conclusion until the end. And I was so fried from all the other preparation that I just kind of phoned it in to be honest. And so that's why I've moved. Do I actually write my conclusion before I write the actual body of my text and where Mm -hmm. I fill in the frame? And, uh, so yeah, man, I just, my, my advice is don't wing it. Um, don't phone it in. Don't think that you can just get up there and make it up on the spot. Really be thoughtful and intentional about how to get in and how to get out of the sermon. Yeah. I like that. What's my, what's my way in? What's my way out? Kind of like the, uh, yeah. maybe that's a Navy SEAL move also is how are we going to get it, in? Man, and take how, it. how are we going to, how are we going to get out? Yeah. I, yeah. I know, uh, for myself, I've, I've had that, uh, that early Sunday morning shower and you're the water is running and you're thinking, yeah, how am I going to, that's, I mean, I I'm telling you the, the shower is better than being in the pulpit and in your third <laughs> point and realizing, Oh my gosh, I have to close and I'm not sure what I'm going to do. Oh yeah. You know, there's been times I've been up on the stage and you know, you, you've been, 
you know, faithful in the process and you've done the study and you thought, well, the conclusion will just kind of figure itself out. And it yeah. rarely ever does, you know, like it rarely does, man. You know, I've been up there and look at my people in the eye and like, so, well, that's all I got, you know, like, I guess I'm done. Let's pray. Yeah, Let's let's pray. I think there's a potluck yeah. after. So uh, that's right. That, that makes a lot of sense. So um, as we conclude our talk today, as we've been walking yeah. through this book, eight hours or less writing faithful sermons faster, what is the one thing you would encourage pastors and preachers with that they can start implementing this week in their sermon writing process to get a little bit better by this weekend? Man, there's so many things I would want to say in answer to that. But if I'm going to narrow it down to one thing, I think the thing that I would really encourage is to never underestimate the relationship between private prayer and power in your preaching on Sunday morning. And, um, you know, the, the kind of the old preachers called it unction was a word that was used. Some tribes will use the word anointing. But it's that sort of like, <clears throat> this isn't just a guy who's a good communicator on the stage. I believe that when the word of God is faithfully preached, that the spirit of God speaks through it. And I have found that the most power rests on my preaching when I have been the most um, consistent and fervent in private prayer throughout the week. And so I think, you know, in addition to all of these other things that I think require our attention and, and, and work and focus, uh, if I could just commend one thing to anyone who's going to preach this weekend is the more you pray, the better. Mm. And then truthfully, I've seen a connection between how quickly I'm able to write and how much I've prayed, that the more I pray, the quicker my writing tends to go, the clearer the text tends to be for me, the more my points make sense, and then the more uh, power I see, uh, more powerful way I see God use the sermon on Sunday. So that's the big thing I'd say is just don't underestimate the connection between private prayer and power in the pulpit. That's very good, Ryan. Thank you so much for sharing that with me uh, and with our audience who, who are listening in. And if anybody wants to find your book or follow you online, where can they where can they find your book and where can they follow you at? Yeah, Amazon's probably the easiest place to find the book. Um, and so it's just eight hours or less writing faithful sermons faster. Um, you can find all the ways to stay connected to me uh, via my blog, ryanhugley.com. And I'm on Twitter, Instagram, and Facebook, um, all just at Ryan Hughley. So those are probably the easiest ways. I also host a podcast called In the Room that you can find on iTunes. Awesome. And uh, yeah, so there's there's plenty of my annoying voice um, on the <laughs> interweb. Well, we'll make sure to link to all of your resources on our show notes page for today. Uh, Pastor Ryan, thank you so much for taking time to help preachers get a little bit better by this weekend. Writing sermons faithful sermons in eight hours or less it's a great book please look that up uh, check out the show notes page and pastor ryan thank you again so much for coming on the show today thank you pete i appreciate it very much that's the end of my conversation with ryan if you would like his book visit our show notes page for today's episode at www.teachtopreach.com We'll have a link to his book, Eight Hours or Less, to help you get a little bit better at managing your time and preparing quality sermons. Also, if you haven't already done this, head to our Facebook page and like us there and share any of this content that you like. We want to make this free and available to as many preachers as possible, so please help us spread the word. Have a great day. We'll see you on the next episode.